I'm excited to be here this morning to continue this series, uh, The Gift of One Anothering. If you were here last week, you heard Jeff's sermon on, on Christ's command, the call in our lives, as, as we are as Christian brothers and sisters, as a church family, to love one another. And the call that He's placed on our lives to love those that maybe aren't as lovable, those that don't agree with us, those that don't have the same beliefs that we do. God has called us to love those around us. And how we do that inside the church gives a picture uh, to a lost world of what it means to follow Christ. And this week, we're going to look at the, the second uh, installment in this series, what it means to forgive uh, one another, and how God has, has commanded us uh, to forgive one another. And so I want to share with you a story about a, a young man who needed uh, some forgiveness. Uh, set the stage for you. It's 2003. Uh, it's the National League Championship Series between the Chicago Cubs and the Florida Marlins. Uh, they've, they've played uh, five games in the series. The Cubs are leading the series 3-2. to two. So if they win this game or the next game, they're going to the World Series. Now, if anybody in the room is a Cubs fan, uh, this may be a painful story in the beginning, but we'll get to the end of the story at the end of the service, and it turns out that there's a pretty good ending to this story. But the Cubs had not won a World Series since 1908. So 2003, 1908, 95 years, they have not won a World Series. And that's the ultimate prize in Major League Baseball. Set the stage for you what's going on in the game. The Cubs are winning this game 3 to nothing, going into the top of the eighth inning. They're the home team. They're going to bat in the bottom of the eighth inning. If they get them out six outs without giving up more than three runs or two or less runs, they're going to win this game, and they're going to go to the World Series. They let a runner get on base. There's a runner on second. There's one out, and the batter in the batter's box has a 3-2 count, a full count. So one ball, he gets to walk. One strike, he's out. And he hits a foul ball, a fly ball down the foul line. And it's nearing the border of the seating area down the left field foul line and the left field line. And Moises Alou is running over, camped out under it, getting ready to catch. And Steve Bartman reaches his hands close to, maybe over the edge, depending on who you talk to and what angle you look at. And the highlight, he may or may not have interfered with Alou's ability to catch this foul ball. If Alou would have caught it, there would have been two outs, one runner on still, they'd be now down to four outs away uh, from winning the National League Championship Series and going on to the World Series. The ball bounces in the seat of the man behind uh, Steve Bartman. The Cubs go on to walk that batter. The shortstop goes on to make an error, allowing a run to score. Then the Cubs allow seven other runs to score in the eighth inning, and they go to the bottom of the eighth inning, losing 8-3, to three. lose the game 8-3, to three. lose the next game, lose the National League Championship Series, and the Florida Marlins go on to play in the 2003 World Series. And what could have been known as the Alex Gonzalez error or the, the, the failure at Wrigley or whatever became known as the Steve Bartman incident. Everybody, Cubs players, Cubs fans, anybody that wasn't a Marlins fan that wanted the Cubs to win all despised and blamed Steve Martin for this loss. And they just couldn't bring themselves, Cubs fans, and players couldn't bring themselves to forgive Bartman for what he'd done. The coach was out on the field trying to get the umpire to rule that there was fan interference, but he's wearing a Cubs hat. He interfered with his own player's ability to catch the ball. And I'm just going to confess that if I was at a game and I was sitting on the front row and the ball came to me, I would not be looking to see where the player is. I would be wanting to catch that ball. Uh, which, a side note on that story, the ball landed in the lap uh, of a man sitting behind him after all of this transpired, he auctioned the ball off at a charity auction for like $115,000. The people that bought the ball drilled a hole in it, 
put dynamite in it and blew it up. And now it's just a mass of stitches and leather in a case. And you can go see the ball, the blown up ball today. But Cubs fans just couldn't forgive Bartman. He became the scapegoat for this huge failure. For the Cubs organization, the Cubs team, everything was blamed on him. Even though Alex Gonzalez made an error, they still gave up seven other runs in that inning after the error. They had a chance to score runs in the bottom of the eighth, the bottom of that. They had a chance to win game seven. Everything was Steve Bartman's fault. They could have even won game five. They were up three to one, lost game five. So they could have, they had three different chances uh, to win that series and go on to the World Series. Not only could Cubs fans not forgive Bartman for a season, for a, for a significant amount of time, they certainly would never forget uh, what he did. They certainly would never forget that moment when this guy reaches out with his hands and that ball hits his hands. It's bad enough, he didn't even catch it. I mean, at least if you're going to put two hands on it, try to catch it, right? And so they certainly uh, were unable to forget what had happened and the, and the, the turmoil and the, the sense of loss that came from that. And so th- this morning, I just, I just wonder if you and I realize how, how sometimes bad we are at forgiveness. And when I say we, I mean people in general. I'm going to, talk, I'm going to shift gears in a minute and talk specifically to those of you in the room who know Christ as your Savior and how we ought to interact with one another. But just in general, we're really bad about forgiving. And even worse than that, we're probably also equally bad about forgetting what happened. You know, you can hear this phrase in your head, forgive and forget, forgive and forget. But I hope that, that as you see this morning, as we look through Scripture together in just a few minutes, that maybe you'll be able to, to change your track a little bit. And think differently about forgiveness and look at it this way. Forgive and find freedom. That that as you see what Scripture teaches us about forgiveness in and through the person of Jesus Christ and in the words of, of Paul and James as they were working with local churches, not much different than ours other than the era in which they lived, interaction between brothers and sisters in Christ that, that we could experience true, uh, genuine forgiveness uh, between one another. And that that forgiveness would lead us to finding freedom. So this morning, I just wonder, the question is, how should we treat others who hurt us in some way and need our forgiveness? It could be something that someone said to me, something that someone said to you, a way they said it, a way they did it, a way they acted. It could be inaction. Someone didn't do something, and that was hurtful. Someone didn't do something for you, uh, and that hurt you. Someone, maybe as, as a group, as a church family, collectively, we may be harmed by somebody in a position of leadership or someone we look up to or trust and, and someone that we look to as a leader. And, 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 and we may not realize just how important it is to respond with the heart of forgiveness. And so this morning, I hope that as we, we look through three different instances in Scripture where Paul and James address the local church, I hope we'll be able to think about this in the context of the local church. Uh, those of you that know Christ as the Savior, and you claim First Baptist Conroe as your church home, and you're here on Sundays, you're here serving during the week, you're here on Wednesdays, you participate in the life and the activity and the body of, of Christ here at First Baptist, that, that we would interact with one another, and that we would kind of follow these three, three steps and these three applications for forgiveness. Because the good news for us this morning is that that Scripture does show us that we can find freedom in forgiveness. That it is possible. Yes, we can go to the Gospels and we can see where, where Jesus talked about how to forgive. And how, how His followers, how He taught them through parables 
the, the overwhelming importance of forgiveness and how he modeled that for them. And we'll talk at the conclusion of the, the message about one specific thing he did to forgive everyone. But before we do that, I want to I look at, at some of the letters in the New Testament and what uh, Paul and what James have to say about the local church. If we're going to give each other the gift of one another, and as we look at this series, if we're going to live well amongst one another as a body of believers, we've got to love one another. We talked about that last week. And this week, we've got to learn how to uh, forgive one another. And the first thing we see is this in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 32, we forgive because God forgave us. There's not a, an optional plan there. There's not like, okay, maybe if you, if you want to, or if it feels good, or if it's convenient to forgive. We are called, we are commanded to forgive because Christ forgave us. Because God forgave us. Paul's writing in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, he's summarizing what it means to, to walk in the light of Christ, and to follow in a relationship with Jesus, and what, what the early church, how they ought to behave, and how they ought to, to interact with one another. And he closes this section of his letter to them by saying in verse 32, be kind to one another, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And so as you, as you put yourself in the shoes of the early church, these new believers, these people who are following just after Jesus' death, resurrection and ascension and his command to his apostles to, to grow the church to make disciples the same command that you and I have today to be disciple makers that that we would do so with kindness with tenderness and with a forgiving heart and so what that means on a practical level is this just just because you've experienced God's forgiveness in your life if you're a believer and you you come in that place in that time in your life when you said I, I know that I'm a sinner and I want Jesus to be my Savior, and you have confessed that sin, that separation from God, that bridge that only Jesus can, can span, that gap between you and your eternal Creator that only Jesus can fill. As you've experienced that, you've experienced that forgiveness firsthand. But it's not enough just to stop there and live off of that yourself. God has also commanded us, has called us to forgive those around us. And so anybody that claims to follow Christ, we are to forgive others because God has forgiven us first. But it's not just that we simply say the words, I forgive you, if someone comes to us and apologizes to us. It's not that we just, we just have that feeling in our heart, like, okay, if, if they're sorry, I'll forgive them. But we also have to check how we show forgiveness. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 uses the phrase, again, as the Lord has forgiven you. We are to forgive unconditionally. Forgiveness is unconditional. We don't wait on the right words of an apology. We don't wait on the right circumstances. We don't, we don't wait on punishment to be doled out. We don't wait on, on what we think needs to happen. But, but we allow God to show us and through us that forgiveness is unconditional. I want to read Colossians 3, verse 13 to you. It says this, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. See, when Christ went to the cross and paid the price for your forgiveness, when He went to the cross and, and paid the price for my forgiveness, He did so unconditionally whether we accept that forgiveness or not. 
whether we ask for that forgiveness or not, whether we truly desire to experience that forgiveness or not, Christ did that for us unconditionally. And He modeled that and He taught that in the days and weeks and months leading up to His death on the cross. And He left that, that teaching and that modeling with His apostles and now they're pouring it into the early church. And then we fast forward from the early church to today and we still have the same issues. Sin is still a problem. They're still complaining. They're still bearing one another's burdens. There's still difficulty and strife between one another. Our goal, our desire, our prayer is that we would see less and less of that in the church so that the world sees a picture of the church that is, that is pure and true and exactly the way that God intended to it. But we, we realize we're not perfect. Nobody sitting in this room is perfect. And so there are going to be times when confession and repentance and forgiveness are necessary. And so as we're shaped more and more into Christ's likeness, uh, we shouldn't also just do what Christ did. We shouldn't also just do forgiveness for the sake of doing it. But we should do it unconditionally. We should do it how Christ did it. Not only do we do forgiveness because we have been forgiven, not only do we show that because it's been shown to us, but we show it in the same way it's been shown to us. The best way that I can illustrate is this. Now we've got an eight-year-old and a five-year-old in our house and I'm sorry, Tate, he's in the room, so he's going to have to put up with me talking about him for just a minute. But every once in a while, he and Olivia will not get along with one another. Shocking, right? Typical older brother, younger sister pattern, right? I'm an older brother, my younger sister and I, we follow the same pattern. And what usually happens is there will be some sort of blow up or there will be some sort of thing go on where one of them or maybe both of them need to be in trouble. And so Canis and I, are, both of us get involved and we figure out who did what and we talk to each of them, we explain to them what they should or shouldn't do. And then we say, are you sorry for that? And they say, yes. And you say, okay, we need to apologize to your sister. You need to apologize to your brother. The other one will say, I forgive you. The one that's in the wrong, as soon as they're forgiven, they think they don't have to go to timeout or they don't have to be grounded or they don't have to lose a privilege or whatever the punishment might be for that action that they're being forgiven for. Uh, just because you choose to forgive someone or someone chooses to forgive you doesn't erase any potential consequences that there might be from that action. And think about the, the course of action all the way from a child disobeying their parents all the way to someone taking someone else's life and then everything else that might happen in between. How hard is it for us to forgive unconditionally? How, far, how hard is it for us to, to let that go and trust God and allow Him to bring about the third part in this process. The healing that comes with forgiveness. See, not only does, do we forgive because God forgave us, and not only should we forgive unconditionally, but we should see that forgiveness is what can bring about true healing in a relationship. Whether it's brother and sister not getting along with one another, whether it's husband and wife getting into it in a way that, that one of them leaves the, the, the conversation or the, the instance of being hurt and feeling let down, or whether it's friends being at one another, or someone really truly did something so genuinely wrong that, that you just really deep down inside feel like you just can't forgive them. No matter the, the level of the, the offense, in man's eyes, no matter the level of the offense, there still needs to be some sort of healing brought to that relationship. Brought to that friendship, brought to that family, brought to that uh, church group, that life group, that, that, that ministry area, wherever it is that you're feeling wronged or let down. See, there's a huge difference between saying that you forgive someone just to feel better about it, just because you think, well, that's what I'm supposed to do, 
than when genuine confession by someone who's genuinely remorseful and sorry for what they did uh, is responded to with genuine forgiveness in a way that says there's no other way that this would be possible except for God being in the middle of that relationship. And so we as the church, we ought to model that with one another. As we're serving together, as we're, we're sharing our lives with one another through life group, through serving alongside of each other in ministry, whether it's hanging out, fun, serious, in here on Sunday morning, getting to know people that are sitting around us, as we begin to build those relationships, because we're not perfect, there's going to be times where there needs to be healing. There's going to be times when we realize, you know what, that that person doesn't even realize that what they did was wrong. They don't even realize they hurt me. And yet we can can go to them and say, you know what, I I, I forgive you. This this really let me down. This offended me. This bothered me. Uh, But but I want to forgive you for that. I want to bring about healing and promote that. And James 5.16 talks about this. This process of confessing and forgiving and sharing with one another. Therefore, confess your sins. In James 5.16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And so as you and I begin to relate to one another and as, as we relate to each other in the context of the local church, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we spend time with one another, we, we're going to have times where there needs to be healing. And there's brokenness. And sin is at the root of that. Disobedience to God where we have sinned against someone else in our life, whether it's how we talk to them, something we did, something we didn't do, lying, deceit, whatever it might be, where there's a brokenness in relationships and there needs to be healing. And we need to allow Christ to come in and be at the center of that healing. And we need to model and share and show that forgiveness uh, so that you and I can share that with the world around us. And so as you think about these three areas, we forgive because God forgave us. Forgiveness is unconditional, and forgiveness brings healing. I think for, for, for the individual in the room today who knows Christ as their Savior, there's, there's three questions you need to ask yourself. If you've got your notes and you want to write these down so you can go back and look at them in the days and weeks ahead, I'd, I'd recommend that. But the first question is this, just God, show me, who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to show forgiveness to? could be something that happened yesterday, it could be something that happened a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. I don't know what it is that you've brought in the room today. Uh, but I know God knows, and I know God knows the circumstances, and God wants nothing more than to bring about healing in that relationship. Who do I need to forgive? The second question is simple. It's yes or no. Do I forgive unconditionally? And if you can honestly, honestly answer that question, yes, then keep doing it. If the answer is no, then ask God to show you. How, how can I release that? How can I let that go? How can I find freedom by forgiving unconditionally? And then the last one, am I promoting healing in the body of Christ? Am I promoting healing in the body of Christ? You know, I've worked here for almost 10 years, been a part of the staff for, for in technically three different roles over those 10, almost 10 years. And as you think back, it's just as us, the body of Christ, and the, the different interactions that people have had being on the receiving end of an apology or being on the giving end of an apology where I've messed up and needed to go to someone and say, I'm sorry for that. Or being, being on the, the, the end of the line where I need to, to, to show forgiveness, but someone is not remorseful or they're not sorry for what they've done. And you've been in those situations too. Anytime you're in any context where you're, you're in relationship with people, you've been there. But ask yourself the question, am I promoting healing in the body of Christ? Christ. 
Again, if the answer is yes, continue practicing that. Continue doing that. Model that well. and Help others get to that place that you're at. But if the answer is no, ask God to show you, okay, where, where, where am I messing up? Where, where am I not promoting healing? Where, where have I let you down? Where have I not done what you show me to do all throughout Scripture in promoting healing in the body of Christ? And I think for each of us today that, it, that if we truly, truly see and understand that, that God has, has forgiven us, and so we too are to do the same, and if we do so unconditionally, and if we promote healing in the body of Christ, then, then you and I truly can experience forgiveness and freedom. We may not forget what's happened. It's hard to forget completely what's happened. But we can, we can experience forgiveness. We can show that. We can receive that. And we can allow that to provide us a sense of freedom that, that, that can only come by knowing God and knowing Him through His Son, Jesus. I want to go back to Steve Bartman because what happened 13 years after Game 6 when his hands hit that ball is the Cubs did make the World Series. And the Cubs did win the World Series. And it was exciting uh, for all of Cubs fandom. And even most of baseball would admit they were excited that for over 100 years this, this flagship franchise of America's pastime won this World Series. And what they do after the end of the World Series is in the start of the next season, there's a game where they give all the players on the World Series winning team and all the organization, they give them this big, fat, diamond, gold-encrusted, I don't know what they make them out of nowadays, ring. I mean, they're like, they're, you know, the guys are walking with their rings and they can't hold their hand up. And the Chicago Cubs ordered one extra ring for Steve Bartman. Did it as a symbol of, hey, we're, we're, we're good. We maybe forgive you. We certainly maybe haven't forgotten, but we're willing to, to see some redemption in this story. Uh, he's kept a pretty low profile. Uh, 2003 was the game, the incident. Facebook didn't come into existence until 2004. Twitter came a little longer in 2006, and so he was able to kind of stay out of the social media limelight, but now he's been back in it because all of those things are here in 2016, and so all of it comes back up. And so they reached out to him. They wanted him to be a part of this big ceremony. He said, no, I, I don't want to be a part of anything big, but, but I'll receive the ring. Thank you for that. You know, that's a, such a great gesture by them to do that. But it just brings about a, a little bit of a sense, a symbol of redemption and forgiveness. And I just wonder here this morning, if there's, if there's someone here today who's, who's never received the gift of forgiveness that Jesus provided for you, when he went to the cross. See, the, the irony of forgiveness is this. That, that the one person who's never needed to be forgiven, the one person who's never needed to say he's sorry, went to the cross and died in our place. The death that we should have died for everything that we're sorry for. And everything we need forgiveness for. The one person who doesn't need any of that was willing to obediently and faithfully die. Uh, so that you and I could be forgiven by our Heavenly Father. And so that we could know and experience what it means to forgive those around us. And so this morning, if what I've said doesn't really apply to your context because you're not a part of the body of Christ and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then your application, your takeaway is simple. It's one thing. Am I ready? Do I need to experience Christ's forgiveness for the first time in my life today? And maybe there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. And you say, I can't experience this freedom that you're talking about that comes when I forgive those who, who, who have wronged me, I can't experience that because I've never experienced it personally. I, I'm not walking in freedom. I'm not being made more like Jesus each day because I don't know Jesus as my Savior. 
If that's you this morning, when we have a chance to respond in just a minute, I want to give you the chance to come forward. Just walk down in the front. I'll be here, and John Harper's going to come as well, and we'll be here. We'd love to talk with you about what it means to know Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you do know Him, and you're, you're, you just need some help moving forward, taking that first step towards forgiveness. We'd love to pray with you or give you the opportunity to pray here at the front so that you can experience and find freedom and forgiveness. You know, the sermon title is Let It Go. And no, I'm not going to break into the Frozen song. I'm not going not to punish you that way. But the idea of letting it go, that these, these things that we hold on to, these wrongs that have been done to us, as we release those things to God, there's something powerful about taking a knee where you are, bowing before God, coming to the front, bowing before Him and saying, God, I, I don't know how or when you're going to do this, but let me do it. I want to be obedient. I want to forgive those around me the way that Christ forgave me. I want to do so often. I want to do so unconditionally. And I want to bring about healing where relationships are broken. And maybe you just need to pray and trust God with that. Not just in these next few minutes, but maybe for days, weeks, months to come. Pray that God would, would stir in your heart a desire uh, to forgive one another. And as the world watches First Baptist Church Conroe, as He watches you and me, interact with one another. Let them see, a, let them see it, a church family that, as we learned last week, truly lo loves one another. And let them see a church family that truly forgives one another. Let them see a church family that's forgiving and living in freedom. 